Is this the dagger? Illegal substitution, too many men on the field, Saskatchewan. Gizmo has a block and a sideline. He has not stepped out, he may go all the way. He needs one block and he'll do it easily. Promise mess I wouldn't do this. McDavid stops up, what a move, shoots, scores! All right, the Elk can calm down just a little bit. We'll get to that in a split second. You're listening to The Outsiders, which is powered by the Macintosh Group at REMAX River City. This is Podcast 70, and we're a day late because of the long weekend. Robin Brownlee joins me as always. My name is Bryn Griffiths, and joining us, the morning host at TSN 1260 and one of the play-by-play voices on the CFL on TSN is Dustin Nielsen. Dusty, how you doing? I'm doing good. The first 69 episodes must have been great if I'm episode 70. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good. We do apologize for getting you on so late. We've been meaning (laughs) to do this for quite some time, but this is really a relevant time to get you on because you've got got games to do finally after having all last year off along with the Canadian Football League. You got to be pumped about that. Very excited. Uh, It's going to be busy. I'm going to get really busy here right away, but you know, it it was a little frustrating to be honest with you because I finally got that opportunity in 2019 to do games and then Chris Cuthbert leaves and, you know, that's like, whoa, more opportunities coming. And then there was no season and, you know, you never know how this industry works because they have found somebody else. So for like the last 12 months, I've basically been just like, I hope I get to do CFL games again. And when uh, I had a phone call with Paul Graham probably three weeks ago and he kind of laid it out for me. And yeah, so I'm really excited to get going again. It's going to be really fun. Well, and like you said, it's been a long wait. Now, do I have this right? Your first game, May 31st, 2019, uh, was it preseason Saskatchewan Calgary? Yeah, that was uh, that was a preseason game. And <laughs> I think each team was allowed to dress like 83 guys or something because it was a preseason <laughs> game. So I'm sitting there and I've had, I've, I mean, I've big into prep and I have my, my board that I've been using for 10 years doing golden bears games and I'm running out of room. I'm like trying, I've got like six or seven columns at each position. So it was, uh, it was, it was a nightmare prepping for a CFL preseason game. So, I mean, with that being said, I haven't called one now in in like 18 months, it's the longest I've gone in my life in the last 20 years of a call something. So I would have loved a preseason game or two this year, but I guess we won't have that. I've got to ask this, and and there's no punchline here, Dusty, because <laughs> I was surprised the first time I heard you call uh, a Golden Bears game. I mean, I knew you'd come in in the morning show uh, after Bryn, and I thought, hey, I kind of like this guy on the air. He's pretty good. And I thought, I listened to that call, and I thought, holy shit, man, this guy can really call a game. Um not every guy who can host a show can call a game, and not every guy who can call a game can host a show. Um, is there one of those, you know, venues that's your favorite? Because uh, being good at both, um, not a lot of guys can say that, honestly. Uh, man, it's tough because, I mean, I absolutely love doing the morning show. I mean, we when you do something for that long, it's it becomes a part of you, right? So... I absolutely love doing that. But when I first, like when I left high school, like when I walked across 
like graduating and they say something about you. Mine was Dustin's going to be on hockey night in Canada one time doing play by play. Like that was, so play by play had always kind of been my main priority. Um, but then it kind of, you know, so, so when I came here and started doing the morning show, I was looking for opportunities to stay in it. Cause that's what I'd been doing in Fort Mac. And, uh, you know, I got, a, I did a year with the Sherwood park crusaders and then, got into the, uh, into the golden bears. And it was weird because I'd never done any football before. I didn't really grow up in a big football family. There wasn't a lot of football in Cranbrook where I'm from. And basically I wanted that golden bears hockey gig. And, and they said, well, can you do football as well? And I was like, sure, I'll do football. And then 10 years later I'm doing CFL games now. So it's, it's funny the way it worked out for sure. But yeah, I, I absolutely, I love, I love both of them. I love all this stuff I do. Like that's why I do so much of it. And I'm so passionate about it because I just really love doing it. So um, I mean, I'm 40 now. I guess we'll see which way this goes, but it's nice to have some options. There is a huge difference between doing a football play-by-play and a hockey play-by-play. Hockey is about describing exactly what you're seeing in a split second. Football is a little more, how do I want to word it? There's a rhythm and a routine where you have to do your basics and then your color guy steps in. Then you have to do your basics and describe. How, how, How have you been able to adapt to that? Yeah, it's it's interesting because it took a little while. Like for football, at the beginning like in the first two or three years doing Bears games, and I mean for the most part, only doing five or six a year in the university, right? Because I was wasn't going on the road or anything. And Golden Bears didn't have a lot of playoff games during my time there, so That's right. I was trying to get as many games in as I can. So it took a little while to get used to it. And you're right, they're they're completely different. I mean, football is more of that baseball sort of setup. And I've done a little bit of baseball. It's probably the one I like doing the least. Basketball and hockey are very similar where it's very quick pace. So it took a little while to get used to, but probably about halfway through the last 10 years, I really started to like football. And you know, if you have a good, strong color guy, it makes a difference, you know, world of difference. Yeah. Um, in hockey, one thing I've noticed is that you know, I try to dial it back. And actually at the Spangler, the Spangler Cup's a very interesting one because my color guy there, Doug Honiger, is a talker. He loves talking. So it's a little bit of a different aspect there. And in football, I realized that, hey, man, call the play. Let Glenn Suter or Evan Dom or whoever is doing color for me over the last 10 years take it away. And then I come back in and I'm like, hey, Golden Bears, first down and 10 from the 45. Here we go again. I love it. I, I've really learned to love doing football play-by-play, which is, I mean, very convenient now that, I'm going to be doing it more full time. Got to bring this up too, because there's always a million guys out there that say, I could do that. It's different. And I remember the very first Golden Bear hockey game I ever did. And I think I recognized in the first five minutes that talk, seeing it going in through your eyes and having it come out, making sense out of your mouth in a split second, there is a skill and an art to that. And not everybody can do it. Do you remember your first game or your first broadcast ever? Uh, yeah, well, I did a thousand of them in my kitchen playing with hockey cards. Back well, everybody, yeah. Too. Yeah, but I remember, I mean, I did some in university just through the program in Lethbridge, but the one story that really stands out for me was uh, with Any Sport, Anytime with John Short back in the day. You guys remember that. I yep. got an opportunity to come in and, and do games there after spending a little bit of time in High Prairie, and my first hockey game was out in in St. Albert and John Short was on color for me and which was awesome. I mean, I wasn't too familiar with John, but I heard about John and everything. And he's, I mean, as far as a color guy goes, he's perfect. So we get up there and uh, that was the one where you had to climb right up to the small little press box right above the benches. So we climb up there call the game. And at the end of the first period, Shorty goes, he goes, you know what? He goes, you're going to be really good at this. And then he, he said, uh, he goes, but you need to figure out when to say, 
Oh, seen and saw. He goes, you just got to get those two figured out. He goes, you're going to be just fine. So yeah, first game that I ever did, like as a official broadcast anywhere would have been with John Short in St. Albert. And uh, he was happy and was good because he was the boss at that place at the time. So, but I remember him saying, you got to know the difference. When do you saw, when do you seen and all that? And yeah, so that, and that goes back. That's almost 20 years ago now, which is crazy. Dusty, I got to say, it's a real pro move to have sort of navigated your way around baseball because I'll tell you what, <laughs> at the level I covered the PCL for six years at the Trappers and all the broadcast teams uh, in that circuit, well, they weren't teams, they were one guy and you've got a three-hour game where there might be 20 minutes of actual action the rest is storytelling talking and the big right-hander from Arkansas who went to this or that college I tell you what um do you listen to those guys and wonder how they do it sometimes because to me that's the toughest play-by-play gig there is yeah I uh I dabbled in it briefly for one season I was in Lethbridge working for the Bulls and uh, that was the Western Major Baseball League at the time and I was like the director of media and marketing and sales and in-house game hosts and stuff. And I just, I was working part-time then as well at country 95 down there reading news on the weekends. And I still wanted to do play by play just because I love doing it. So I set up like a sketchy little radio deal with the uh, university of Lethbridge radio station to do 10 games uh, for the Lethbridge bowl. So I did those 10 games and it was weird. Cause I was still trying to do some of my other duties while also calling the game. And I had a good assistant who would come up, but I'd, I'd be dictating all that. But the best thing about those 10 games was I had, his name was Brian Giannette and he was Mr. Baseball in Lethbridge. Like he knew everything about baseball for the last 30 years. And he was a talker, like he'd done it before. So it was, it was perfect. Like I could have, I, I couldn't have done it with, you know, a buddy from broadcast school who wouldn't have had all the knowledge and stories. So yeah, the color guy in baseball pretty much dictates. And like, you can, a play by play guy could say 10 words and, three minutes in baseball. So yeah, I'm like, I'll call, I went to the Canada games a couple years ago for TSN and called like everything like downhill, everything, but baseball is one that I'm probably going to try to avoid the rest of the way. I'm not going to lie. And you know what? We, we can have these guys we've idolized forever who've done play by play, but there's something about Vin Scully for me, the way he's able to weave a great story into his play by play and make it seem so seamless you know, like I said, it's easy to talk about hockey guys we love and football guys we love, but there's just something about his play-by-play, and I just don't think I could ever have done baseball. I mean, it's just it. I think it's about as I think it's the toughest there is. Well, I mean, for guys like him, and I mean, any of the elites in baseball, the play-by-play guy has over the years developed the ability to tell those stories that you would usually get from a color man. A lot of that would come with just experience and stuff, but yeah, that I mean, to to be a really good baseball play-by-play guy might even be more difficult than doing any of the other ones just because of that aspect of there's no time. I mean, there's a little bit of time to tell the odd story in football, but you probably leave that up to the color guy anyway. And then in in hockey, I mean, things are going so quickly. I'm trying already to slow down a little bit, you know, most of the time, especially if I get really fired up in a hockey game. So uh, yeah, those baseball, the combination of it's almost, and that's why like Buck is so good at it as well. Like, he does color, but he can also do play-by-play. So it all kind of gels together, which he's one of the guys that I, just as a Jays fan over the last 20 years, I've really enjoyed his work there. And he's really good at both aspects of that. The other thing too, is that 
doing play-by-play on radio and television completely different. Just yeah, I, like 100%. on radio, yeah. I need you. I need to be able to close my eyes, and you have to be able to tell me not only who's got the puck, where it is. On television, you just really got to add a caption and add to the excitement level. Is that fair to say? Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, so I did two years in Fort McMurray radio with the Oil Barons, and then um, you know, once you get down here, times have kind of changed a little bit, and everybody's streaming and things like that. So for Golden Bears hockey. It was good. Like not a lot of people were watching, but there were, you know, parents and, you know, 100, 200, 300 people on the stream watching. Um, but for me, I treat that as a TV game, right? Because it doesn't feel like it because it's just online and, you know, probably not going to get criticized if you're, you know, if you're no good or anything like that. But I always treated it like a TV game because I mean, that's especially nowadays in, in the industry. I mean, that's where a lot of it's heading anyway. So I always, I always like the fact that that's the way we could approach those, those university of Alberta games. We did, we went to Saskatoon, they were playing their nationals one year and 1260 was going to put on their three games. Um, so we were going to do the radio games there, but then they lost to Waterloo in the first game and were bounced. And that game conflicted with Gregor's show. So we put on like an abbreviated 50 minute version after the game. But yeah, outside of that, I mean, it's basically been all TV or streaming for the last decade for me. Dusty, I got to, I got to talk to you about time management. Uh, You're a young dad. You got a couple of kids at home. You've got the morning show. Uh, You go to the Oiler games. You're into (laughs) esports. You you do, uh, you, you podcast, you got two guys and a goalie with, with uh, Gager and Cass and uh, is it her, Hernan? Hernan. Yeah. Hernan's with us on that one. Yeah. And, and, and you're at the same time, you're running the uh, Jesse Pugliarvi fan club. <laughs> and I tell you what, it's, it's a full plate, but a lot of guys work a lot of years to get that full plate. Do you have time to sit back and, and enjoy it? While you're in the middle of all of it? Uh, man, that's a good way to ask that question. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have, to be honest with you, I don't know if I have time to sit back and enjoy it because like as soon as I'm done this, we're taking kids to the science center. And then, you know, tomorrow I've got two podcasts after my morning show and then I'm prepping for the football game on Saturday. So, I mean, not to get too deep here, but one of the ways that I've always dealt with stress is to just work. Like I'm a little bit of a worrier. So, you know, when the pandemic hit, I wasn't doing too much and I was starting to stress a lot. So then I decided to try to fire up, you know, my own sort of podcast side company and that kept me busy. Uh, it's getting to the point now though, with, with the amount of work I'm going to be doing for the Canadian football league. I mean, I'm going to have to sacrifice some things. One might be uh, one might be my daily afternoon nap. I might have to dial back that a no. little bit too. Uh, I know, Brent, I know it. it's not easy. Well, my, so I'm, here's my, here's my thought process because I mean, with the podcast, I'm doing three, I've got a fantasy football one that's going to get fired up again. And I do all the production and everything on it. So I could maybe find somebody to come in and help me a little bit on that, which would be kind of cool to have somebody else help and take a little bit of that workload off it. Cause I don't want to cut any of that stuff. Um, but right now I stay up pretty late. I mean, you got to kind of know what's happening in the sports world, especially when hockey and everything's going on a regular basis. Um, but I'm thinking maybe I could shorten the nap from like two and a half hours to an hour. That gives me an extra hour and a half with the family. And then I'll be tired. So I'll actually get to go to sleep at like 11 as opposed to just laying there and, you know, staying up to midnight and I can't fall asleep. I'll probably have to dial back. I still play hockey and I try to play like once a week. So I might have to dial that back a little bit, but it's, you know what, the, the CFL thing, 
the last year has been great. Just keeping busy with side gigs and, and things like that. And having a ton of time with family, this CFL thing is going to be tough. Like I, I coached my son last year in hockey. I'd love to do that again. That's going to be impossible because I'm probably going to be out of town every weekend for like three months, four months. Um, but I mean, hopefully I can assist and coach when I'm in town. I'll be home most Sundays when they play their games and stuff. He's little, but I want to be involved as much as I can in that stuff. So at some point along the way, I'm probably going to have to, you know, pick and choose a few spots here, but I think I'm just going to put the foot down on the gas here for the next two years or so and kind of see what opens up. And if something more significant does, then I can dial back some of that other stuff. But yeah, my, my wife's great. I mean, she, she really wanted to stay home with the kids for the last I guess the last 18 months until they're both in school, she's a teacher. And um, so I told her, I said, well, let me see if I can line up some extra side work. So I was working for the nation. And then when the pandemic hit, that went away and that was kind of her extra income with her not working. So that's why I started my own thing. And so she understands that the reason I'm busy is so that she can stay home with the kids, um, which is great. At least they have like, so, and I'm, I mean, some days I'm home at 11. So it's just a matter of being smart about it and probably planning a little bit better. And hopefully I can do that. Well, just as a follow and to add sort of a dad or grandpa moment here for you, um, drink, I'll tell you, drink it all in now, uh, balance it as best you can, but this is prime time, Dusty, uh, for guys in the business. There will be a time when the gig isn't there, the extra thing that you go, oh man, I got to do this again this week where you'll be, gee, I wish I could have to do that again yeah. this week. So, um, you know, you got a window and you seem to be right in the middle of it. You, you know, you get that part, eh? Yeah, I, I think I do. And that's, that's why like I, the, the, a few of my podcasts are doing really well. Some of them I just love doing because I like that content and it, it's fun to me. I'd like to talk about it anyway. Um, and then, yeah, so I'm like, I'm going to be busy for, you know, till late November probably. And then, if we do send our crew over to Spangler again, you know, that's been tough being gone for Christmas for two years. But I, I mean, the kids are still young enough that we can do Christmas on the 23rd and, and they're still fired up about it. Um, and maybe sometime they can come with me. I mean, that's something we can look at too. And then, you know, in January, things will slow down. So, you know, I'll have five or six months where, you know, I'm just a dad coming home from the morning show at 11 and getting to be here with them and, and then being home every weekend. So, I mean, unless something else pops up along the way, but right now I'm planning on January to be some downtime. So that'll be nice. That's the way to do it. I, I got to tell you, when we launched what was then Team 1260 back in 2001, people didn't think it was going to work. We didn't even have uh, standard radio. We, we even had to convince ownership that it was going to work in a market like this. We were able to do it. By the time I got to 2008, I was absolutely burned out. And uh, when I left, I just said, please don't screw this up. You came in. You've now been doing it for 12 years. And I don't think people appreciate how much and how difficult it is to do a morning show on a sports talk station. It's tougher to get guests than any other show. You have to be way more creative and you have to go a little bit off the song sheet. You have, you just, you have to do your own thing. You have to be as much entertaining as the guests you bring on, the guests you can get at that time of the day. How have you done it? Uh, I mean, I don't drink coffee. So let's just start there. Everybody's always like, you must drink a ton of coffee with your energy in the morning. I said, not a, nothing, nothing at all. I never have. I, I, I can't even stand the smell of it. Um, I mean, I've always, first of all, I've always been an early riser. Like ever since I was a kid, like I just, 
just don't sleep in. I worked in high school before school at Save on Foods at like five in the morning. In Fort Mac, I was our show started an hour early up there. So I was up at like 3.30 in the morning in Fort Mac. So I basically just haven't slept much in the last 30 years. Yeah. But, you know, like one of the things, first of all, I mean, and, and you guys would know this and Robin, you were on Gregor's show for a long time. Like you got to have somebody solid with you. And, you know, I had Fraser with me for a long time and Fraser was good. Eric brings a different type of energy, um, which, which is really important to me. Uh, he's not the same when he's not there. It's probably not the same for him when I'm not there. Uh, one thing probably over the last, I'd say like four to five years, so much of it is driven by people listening, just texting into the show. Like when I first started and you guys are probably on the email thing too, Brent, like it'd be like, Hey, send us an email yeah. and you know, we can get to a few of them. Now you can text in instantly and we get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and sometimes thousands of texts in a show. And it just like that energy from listeners kind of gets us fired up pretty early in the day. And then we can just kind of push, push through with that. So, I mean, when you do anything, whatever it is for, for 10 years, you kind of get in a pretty solid routine with it as well. The, the COVID thing has been very interesting because it's changed everybody's how they listen. So you know, ratings like radio ratings have gone down, but our stream numbers have been through the roof because people are just clicking and listening at home now, as opposed yeah. to being in their car, going to work. So it's been, uh, it's been interesting uh, lots of naps along the way for sure. Um, and you know, what's weird is that like when the others are winning, it's great because everybody's fired up, but when they're awful, it's incredible because people are losing their mind. So for like the first seven or eight years here, they sucked every single year. And the people were just so passionate about it. That's why I love working in a market like this, man. Like people, there's just, people there's, don't get I mean, that though. Yeah. They don't get no, that when the Oilers it, are playing uh, good, that's good. But when the Oilers are playing lousy, yeah. that's better. Yeah, if the Oilers are just okay, it would be awful. But fortunately for us, you know, they've been either brutal or actually a pretty good team. So, yeah, it's it, – I, I mean, I just I, – I, and I know some people will say, oh, you know, it's not a hardcore sports show and it drives me crazy. And I get that. I mean, that's how I was in my 20s too. Like, all I wanted to do was listen to hardcore sports talk. But – and if I was in a, new, a noon hour show or an afternoon show, it would probably be a different show. Yeah. But – I try to tell people who will be like, oh, Dusty, sometimes you're too, I'm like, look, man, I'll do whatever's needed. Like I'll go call a game. I'll go do a fill in for an afternoon show and it'll be serious and it'll be a good show. But the morning show, we're not competing with other sports shows. We're competing with other morning shows in the market and other morning shows, you know, are obviously doing different things. So we try to provide a little more entertainment than, than your regular show would, I guess. And you probably guys did the same thing. So it's just, it's kind of just, you got to fill the void that, or fill what's required at that time. And that's what's required in the mornings. Weather and traffic still important on a morning show. You still have to get people to work, right? Yeah. And you want to make them smile a little bit. Like oh, the yeah. last thing, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to turn on the radio at 630 and hear, you know, two guys down in the dumps because the hockey team lost and, you know, no energy and, and like that. You just, first of all, I mean, if that's the show, then I wouldn't have lasted six years, let alone 12. Like, so um, yeah, I'm not, I mean, as far as the morning show goes, you know, I, I want, I, I do think we need to freshen things up every once in a while, maybe a little bit more than we do, but, um, it's been a pretty good recipe for the last like six, seven years. So I don't see us changing it anytime soon. You know, when you, when you first came in, uh, Dusty with Will, I didn't like it. But that's because I'm an old man and I was used to the other guys yeah. and change sort of sets you back, <laughs> back a couple of steps. So then you, you write yourself and you actually listen to what's being done. Um, 
I've particularly liked the show uh, in the last, I want to say, three, four, five years. To me, I mean, with the Creed shtick, the uh, the uh, drinking beer on the air, which <laughs> I started off really sending you those as, as shots. Like, yeah, come on, man. This is like super lame radio. And, and now, you know, there's a little thing back and forth. But to me, even with the goofy stuff and the Creed stuff and the, the Pogliarvi love, it seems um, authentic to me. Um, tell me if I'm wrong. It might be the goofy side of you, but it doesn't feel fake and phony and something that you're not into. Yeah, no, you know what? And I, I, you're right. I mean, nothing about that show is something that I'm faking. Like that's all of it is just, that's just who I am. And I think one of the reasons that it's gone pretty well is because people appreciate that. Like they, I mean, I'll make fun of myself. I'll say stupid things that I'm like, oh man, I, you know, that wasn't right. Like I shouldn't have said that, but when you get, it's, it's weird. Cause I've never met 99.9% .9 of the people listening, but I feel like I'm just talking with my family or my buddies every single morning. Right. Cause you know, some, you know, certain days people will reach out about some serious heavy stuff and, and that's fine as well. And like the odd time along the way, especially over the last couple of years, you'll have like that heavy show, that serious show that people will be like, Oh yeah, you guys can still do that. You did it really well, but we're okay with, you know, texting in about Eric Macromala on Fridays and things like that. So um, yeah, the last thing, and I never have, even in, even with my play-by-play -play or when I was co-hosting a rock morning show in Fort Mac, like I just have always just been who I am. Like, I know I'm, I wouldn't want to, if somebody came and told me and said, you're going to need to be this way. You're going to need to be like this guy. I, I would, I would just go and do my own thing. I'd go somewhere else. Like, it's just I, like, I think I've established enough in this market and in the business now that nobody would hopefully do that. But if they did, I'd, just be confident in myself to buy into what I've been selling in my brand and probably just go with that. My dad told me when I got into the broadcast business, what other people think of you is none of your business. And I think that's the best advice I would give anybody going into broadcasting. Okay. Topic change. Let's talk about the Canadian football. Like I printed off the CFL today. The CFL power rankings are out. And I looked at them and I went, this looks like the power rankings from a year ago. <laughs> and other than the fact that the Edmonton Eskimos are now the Edmonton Elks, is the only thing that's really changed there. How do you have any idea who's going to feed? This has got to change in the first couple of weeks, I got to think. Right now they've got Hamilton at the top, followed by Saskatchewan. It's I think it's a crapshoot this year. I don't know how anybody can favor one team over another. I guess we're just going to have to see how they play. Yeah, try prepping for this. I know. <laughs> it's a nightmare. Like, but and it, dude, just a side story, I've got a buddy uh, at a sport book, and I'm like, hey, man, when are the CFL odds for week one coming out? Like, we're going to do a betting podcast on Wednesday. I was like, well, we might get a look at him. He goes, he sends me a picture of, like, a different website where you can see all the, the lines for all the games from all the books nobody's got him right now. He's like, all the sports books are playing a game of chicken right now to see who's going to set the lines first. Yeah. Because nobody really knows. He, so I kind of fired back some lines that I was, I was like, maybe this, maybe this. And he goes, yeah, he goes, but none of us know exactly what's going on. So it's, yeah, I saw that. I saw the power rankings there and, and I think they had Toronto at eight. Um, yes. And Toronto's like completely revamped their roster. For all we know, Toronto can be the best team in the league. Well, probably not. I do think Hamilton's the best team in the league. But Toronto could be a pretty darn good team this year. But we just don't know. Like, they've overhauled so much of their roster. I think there's two things that are probably certain. Hamilton will probably be the best team in the league, at least in the regular season. And Ottawa will probably be the worst. Outside of that, 
I mean, I have no idea how this, and usually it's that way. Like usually the CFL, you get a little bit of a better read on it than this. And that, and that's awesome. This thing is going to be an absolute roller coaster this year, which should be, I would think great for people to kind of dive back into it. Well, and there's so much turnover. I mean, so much of what you do has got to be, you know, bang, bang, bang right now. Um, covering the team a little bit for Canadian press, the, uh, last couple of years before the break, you know, new players come in, you figure out who they are, you introduce yourself, you do your thing, you ask your questions. There's a lot of new faces and a lot of new numbers for you to get right this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's funny because I, like I said, I like to kind of get ahead of things. So uh-huh. probably in early July, I started sort of putting together my charts for all the teams and I'm going to do all nine, obviously, because I'm probably going to call games for every team. So I was trying to build that and I'm, like online CFL.ca had done some off season depth charts. So I've got those printed off and I'm trying to slot them in. And then part of me is like, what are you doing, man? Like half of these guys are going to probably be released by the time we even get to kick off. So yeah. I tried to dial it back a little bit. Like I put in most of the significant guys that you're going to do, but trying to, and week one is always tough. Because it's like a preseason game because I mean, I probably won't get a depth chart until I bother somebody tomorrow. I'll try to track that down. Pronunciation guides aren't there yet, at least for next week. And I got two games next week in week two, we would have had all the depth charts from week one. So they're out there now, right? Like right now you don't have anything from last week. So it's, and that's in a good year. And this is a year that that's going to be, I mean, even more difficult to kind of get ready for the, for the early game. That's why I'm, I'm really happy. I've only got one game this week. Like, God, just let me prep for one game. There's no travel. It's right here in Edmonton. At home. And then after that, I can go crazy for a few weeks. But I like the setup this week. Now, for a guy who grew up watching football in the Canadian Football League in Clark Stadium and the Knothole Gang, I've always understood that the real season doesn't begin until Labor Day. Yeah. This year, I can't determine whether or not it starts until late September or starts right now because I just don't think you can stumble out of the gate and be able to stay in the pack here. You're going to have to really, uh, I don't know. It's like, it's a crapshoot. It really is. Is it not? It, it is. And I might still say that it all is on Labor Day. I mean, it could be because could be. it's a shorter schedule, shorter schedule, right? If you're out of it five weeks in, you're not going to have the ground to, to make it up. You're not going to have 13 games left at that point. You're going to have less than 10 games left at that point. So I still think Labor Day is actually going to be a pretty, pretty critical weekend in the, in the, in this, in this season. But I, it, <laughs> it's such a compact schedule that, I mean, there's really no room for it. It's not like all of a sudden, let's just say, you know, we said earlier, the red blacks might not be a good team, but who knows? I mean, they turned over a bunch of guys who maybe they're a playoff team, but is there time for them this year to feel it out and get some guys into a groove four or five games in? Probably not. Like you're going to have to hit the ground running if you're going to, if you're going to have a good season this year. So I think that might change. I've seen some previews that say Ottawa's playing for next year. I don't don't want to go there just yet, but I can see why you would need to have a, a solid start. But I uh, like the Canadian Football League is so entertaining anyway, uh, and that's over the usual schedule this year. You know, as long as people are able to stay healthy, getting back and playing some football here, I think it's going to be tremendous. Uh, quick question, bit of a grenade because it's been dealt with, <laughs> but you're a younger demographic, Dusty. Um, at least for me, you are. Um, <laughs> the, there was fuss about the name change. Everybody discussed it. Uh, it's done. It's in the books. I think people, generally speaking, certainly like the merchandise and the unis and the look of the new team. Um, 
what did you make of all that? Because you're active on social media and you, you put your opinion out there. Um, was it overblown or just something that needed to be done and let's move on? How do you see it? Well, first of all, I've learned on social media that I'm probably not going to put out many opinions anymore. It'll just be, uh, it'll just be videos and hot takes like watch this. So that, cause I mean, you never know what happens. Anything I liked, I liked a tweet at one point just to use it essentially as a bookmark. That's what I do with a lot for prepping for the show. I'll just like, like, like whether I like it or not. Some lady called me on it. She goes, you like this? And I'm like, no, I don't like it. I just want to talk about it tomorrow on the show. And then she's coming at me and I was trying to sort it out. I said, geez, I didn't even know you could actually bookmark a tweet, but it's like another button. And so yeah, social media, <laughs> you gotta be careful in there. But like, as far as this discussion goes, like I'm kind of a naive kid from the Kootenays in BC who grew up on a farm. So I, I'm always, I always feel like, am I not taking this seriously enough? And when the whole name thing came about, like I thought the organization did a pretty good job engaging up north, and I was I was kind of torn on it because I was I was seeing people say, people say, no, we're okay, we're okay with the name. Like some of us see it as you know an, an honor or a tribute to the people of the north, and and so for me, I was just like, uh, like when when the people themselves seemed split on it, I really thought oh, this could kind of go either either way. And then you get to where we are in society nowadays and, and realize that, guess what? A 50-50 or a 60-40 split just ain't good enough anymore. So I was totally fine with the fact that they changed. I was very fascinated by the process that they went through, though. Um, and, you know, as you move through this, you, you, it was a great spot to be in for me seeing all the reaction. Um, and when they finally said that they were going to change it, that was a crazy day on the radio because there were some people losing their mind. We had some guy today. It's funny you brought this up. Today somebody texted in and said, I can't cheer for this team anymore. It got too political for me. I can't even watch the league. And I'm like, holy smokes, man. And really? then when they actually announced the new name, yeah, that's today. I mean, this has been done yeah. for months. Um, and when they actually announced the name and the new brand, that went over very well. Uh, I thought I thought they did a pretty good job with it. The reaction surprised me. It was relatively positive. Um, so I, I, think, I think they moved on here. But yeah, even today, and I'm sure it'll be interesting to see you know, when they're back playing and some of the reaction online or even in the stadium, um, it'll be interesting to see how that all sorts itself out. But yeah, I was, I was very fascinated with the process and I wasn't too sure which way they were going to go for a long time. Hey, before we wrap up on the CFL and talk a little bit about the NHL and the Oilers, tell everybody what you're doing this Labor Day weekend because that's kind of fun and exciting for you. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. They've, so because of all the things in flux with TSN and the league, they've only we've got our first five weeks essentially on the schedule and Labor Day weekend. I'm going to be in Regina on Sunday and then Calgary on Monday to call the two Labor Day games in the West, which I mean, as soon as I realized that I might want to call football, you know, full time, those are two massive games on the CFL schedule. So yeah. to get those games is that's, I mean, I've got to ramp up so I can hammer those two games. Hopefully one of them is an absolute thriller and, and, uh, you know, people will see that I can call football. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really, when I saw that on the schedule, I was like, I knew maybe it's because, you know, it's in the West and the other guys are in the East and there's not, we're trying, I think we're trying to not sort of cross the country too much. I got one trip to Toronto here this month, but that's it. Um, but yeah, it's a very cool opportunity for me. I'll have Glenn Suter riding your shotgun and that's going to be, uh, that's going to be sweet. If you're looking for feedback from a play-by-play guy in this country, is there a go-to guy that you can call up at any second and say, listen, I, I, I'm struggling with this. Who would you call? Who can you call? Uh, 
I'd probably DM Chris Cuthbert, to be honest with you. He yep. was one of my, I mean, growing up, it was Bob Cole, and then it was Chris Cuthbert. And I mean, those are pretty generic answers, but Chris Cuthbert, I think, his ability to do whatever, but especially the two sports that I want to do moving forward in football and hockey, um, he would be the guy. He reached out to me when he left and said some great things. He actually... <laughs> He mess. I, I I reached out to him and said congratulations. Like it's gonna be awesome to go have a chance to call a Stanley Cup and stuff. And he messaged me back and said, yeah. He goes, you know what? You're gonna do, you're gonna do really well. He goes. When my wife was watching one night and she said, hey, this guy sounds just like you, Chris. And I was just like, wow. wow. Thank you very much, Mr. Cuthbert. Like that was so that was pretty cool. So Chris would be. I don't know if he want me pestering all the time, but uh, Chris would be a guy that if I did have something legitimately that I'd like to get some feedback on, and you know he. This is he's just a great guy because when I called that preseason game that Robin talked about earlier out of nowhere in my DMs was Chris and he was saying hey he goes I was just going through watching all the games he goes I just want to say you did a really good job in that first one and so he would he would be the guy which is kind of cool being able to reach out to one of your idols and have him give you some input which is really nice he'll never tell you to beat it that's for sure he's always uh, very very friendly <laughs> so, and great. so good he's yeah. the best okay let's talk NHL the Edmonton Oilers have had themselves quite the uh, Fascinating offseason, although this uh, offseason seems like it's dramatically shorter. Your thoughts on everything that's happened? Oh, man. Uh, you know, at the beginning of this offseason, we talked about how critical it was and maybe the most important offseason in 20 or 30 years or ever for this for this organization. And just the most fascinating thing about the Oilers right now is the fan base online. Like, Ooh. it just, it's, it is, Yikes. it's, it's unbelievable. Like, it's awesome. It's sad. It's, it's incredible. It really is to kind of sit back and sort of just take it all in. And, and because of that, you know, a lot of people's opinions are swayed just because of what they're reading online and stuff. Like this hasn't been, I don't think it's been a brilliant off season for the Oilers by any stretch of imagination, but I think they're a better hockey team. And I think Ken Holland's done a pretty decent job. Now, saying something like that might get me canceled by some people, but like I, their forward group is significantly better. Their goaltenders, even though lots of people don't like them, they were good enough last year for them to be good enough the last two years for them to be top, top two in their division. And the blue line is different. I, I don't, th yeah, it's different. I don't know if it's going to be, I don't know if it's going to be worse. I don't know if it's going to be better, but it's different. And I think it could potentially be just as good. So yeah, I, the reaction, like I took last week off and I didn't plan it that way. And when I realized the free agency was there and we'd booked this trip back to Cranbrook, I was like, ah, like, don't, I'm going to miss it. And then I got my podcast and streams I do anyway. So I got to talk about it, which was a nice fix. But part of me was like, man, to be there and see the reaction on the text line when they're trading bear and they're doing this, it's, it's been, it's wild. It's a, the roller coaster of this off season has been, unlike anything we've seen in a long time. But I think, I think in the end, people are going to look back on this and say, you know what? It really helped. So we'll see, but man, has it been, it's been a fun one. There's no doubt about that. My sense is that you, whatever the social media version of biting your tongue is, <laughs> you, you try and do it a fair lot. Now, once in a while, you'll just, it's pretty clear what you think of somebody's take. Yeah. Uh, but you're usually reasonably civil about it. I There's a fine line between, to me, passionate about a sport and stupid. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a thin line. Well, my, uh, 
there's a whole bunch of guys I know down at the brewery. They could do a better job than Ken Holland of yeah, building right. this hockey. Um, really? Um, do you find yourself having to hold back? Because you do get into it once in a while, but uh, uh, it's an interesting dynamic here in Edmonton. You can never say people don't care. Yeah, I try to pick my spots on certain things, but sometimes it's tough. Like, it's I, I understand where a lot of these people, like I saw somebody yesterday on Twitter said, Ethan Bear is already better than Darnell Nurse. And they let him go. And I'm like, holy smokes, really? you guys. Like, I love yeah, Ethan. but yeah, it's, but yeah, still, but Darnell Nurse is a really good defenseman. Um, the, the, like, for me, it's, it's like, I used to be those guys. Like, when I was 18, 19, 20, I was on HF boards as this passionate Habs fan who was like that. Like, I know I was like that. For a fact, I was like that. But, you know, then I get into, you know, media in general and you learn that you have to, you know, be a little bit more mature in certain situations. Then you come to this market and you start to cover the National Hockey League and it just sucked the fandom away from it for me, which was like, I'm a big, obviously, if you listen to the show, I'm a big LeBron James fan. I'm a big Detroit Lions fan. I'm a big Toronto Blue Jays fan. Like I can still be fans of those teams. But the first time the Habs were here on the road, and I went into their dressing room to cover them. I was like, well, it's over now. <laughs> like, yeah. this is, this is work now. This isn't being a fan. So I think, I think sometimes, I think sometimes like people will, 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 will think we're reacting as fans. And I know personally I'm not. And then other people will say, well, you're just trying to get a job with the Oilers. So that's why you're carrying the water for them. And I mean, at this point, I'm not. I don't know what happens in three or four years or something. But it's it's weird for me because I've, I've been a lot of those fans who we would describe as, you know, fanatics. And I'm not anymore when it comes to hockey. Uh, look, I, do, I want the Oilers to do well because it's great for the show. We're playing goal songs. People are fired up. Like everybody City. wants to listen. The city yeah, vibrates. The city. It's, it's great. great. Yeah, you want that. Like, I want my, my, my boy. He's six. And he's a hardcore hockey fan now. It just happened over like the last 18 months. Big time Oilers fan. I want to see him have the best time he possibly can. When they lost in the playoffs, I was sad about it because he was sitting there on the couch crying as a six-year-old. So, but it's it's a really weird vibe when you've been there, you're not really there anymore. You see people who are so there and you think it's kind of a bad look, but that's just that's just how fans are. So I try to I try to stay out of it with fans. I'll get into it with like some media or if somebody decides to come at me. But for the most part, I'll just let people be who they are. I, I, I don't know if this is a fair comment to make, but and you just kind of alluded to it. People will still come up to you and say, so who do you cheer for? And I always say when I before I get into the business, I grew up. My dad kind of loved the Habs and the way they played the game. And the moment. The Edmonton Oilers came into the NHL in 1979. He said, look, we're going to have to change. we got to cheer for our team. We have to cheer for our Edmonton team. But as you get into the business, you start to understand that there's guys wearing those jerseys who are great guys and some who aren't. But for the most part, I always like to support and uh, feel good for the guys in the jerseys rather than the jersey and what's on the jersey. Do you find that that's how you – the LA Kings won the cup that first time. Well, you know, we had Matt Green there. Let's see, who else mm-hmm. do we have? Jared Stahl was there. Uh, two great guys. I was happy for them. So you kind of view it a little bit differently. I just don't know if listeners or fans quite understand that there's an objectivity that kind of takes that emotion out of it, like you commented on. Yeah, it's like, I guess an example right now for somebody that I would have covered when they were here, 
like watching the Islanders play, you want Jordan Eberle to have success. Yeah. Because Jordan Eberle's a great dude. Know him just a little bit, but you you like that's the type of thing now. You're you sit there and go, Yeah, I'd like to see the Islanders have success because you know Jordan Eberle's a good dude. Like he was a he was a good guy. And you're right, not all of them are, but Jordan Eberle really was. Like I want Ryan Nugent Hopkins to have success here because Ryan Nugent Hopkins is a down to earth, good human being. Like, so you want to see him have success. So yeah, it's it's weird. Like my buddies who I grew up with, they just, they just don't get it. They're like, man, like you're not cheering for the Habs. Like you used to, I was like, well, I mean, I've been in this business for 12 years now here in Edmonton. It's, it's not, with that being said, when they knocked off the Leafs in game seven against Toronto, I was pretty, I mean, that's an all time rivalry for me as a, as a child in my early twenties. So I was pretty fired up about that. But for the most part, you know, and part of it, I mean, for you guys, I don't know, like, I kind of got sad along the way being like, man, I miss having that passion that I did in the National Hockey League. Like now I care about it, obviously, just because we, you know, you want to see Edmonton as a city be happy. But, you know, that's why when I watch the Detroit, well, the Lions are a bad example because they've sucked forever. But when I watch the Blue Jays, like in 2015, watching the Blue Jays, I was a fan of it. I wasn't afraid to come across on the radio as a fan of it because we're not covering it in this city. We're not doing it in this market. As a Canadian Football League broadcaster now, you know, I'd like to see the Elks have success. Sure, I always will. But, you know, I don't have a favorite team in the in the Canadian Football League anymore. You just can't. I'm going to be in all nine markets calling games. Yeah. Um, and as un, un, unbiasedly as you possibly can. So it's it's weird because CFL and NHL, that, that fan passion has kind of been taken away from me. Did my dog just bark? You know, I heard it. Yeah. <laughs> Jax, be quiet over there. What are you barking at? <laughs> That's the first time he's always in here. He's been in on all 69 episodes. First time he's spoken up, so I think you reached him there. He likes me. That's great. Or he doesn't. <laughs> Dusty, you, you, it, it's funny you mentioned LeBron, and I know you take some crap online for being clearly... <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> of the player. You know, it's interesting. Uh, during the lockout season, 0405, we had we went into Cleveland, and I got to meet him on a couple of mornings down there walking from the Hummer at the time that his mom had bought that caused a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And everybody I talked to um, talked about what a solid guy he was. And he said hi to everybody, the guy sweeping the floor, uh, the usher, the people on the way into the dressing room, not just the people with the microphone who could do him some good. And he was barely in the league then. Um, when you go on about him uh, online uh, based on what you've seen, where do you put him um, in the upper echelon of uh, the GOAT uh, upper echelon there? Is he number one now or is he well, what's the deal? To be honest with you, I mean, I think he is. I think he's the greatest basketball player to have ever played. Um, but, I mean, I think it's a one. You can go either way with Jordan and LeBron. You really can. I mean, and that's. That's why if I ever want to get people fired up on my show, like if it's a slow oh, yeah. day, I'll just be like, oh, LeBron James, greatest basketball player of all time. And it's just like, bam, 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 bam. People are all over it. Like, yeah, it's, it's to me, the one thing that like this guy, uh, I've got the, I've got the cover uh, framed and graded because I collect sports memorabilia. I've got the cover of him for the very first time he was on Sports Illustrated when he was in high school. And this guy had all the expectations in the world, probably more expectations on him than any athlete to come in in the last 20 years. And he's won four titles and he's probably not done. Like he's still one of the best players 
in the NBA at this age. He's won wherever he's gone. I mean, went to three different markets, won a championship and all three of them going back to Cleveland to bring back a title to them after he left, I thought was a, was a pretty yeah. huge move from him. Um, he's extremely successful off the court. What's he, a, he's a billion, billion dollar value on him now. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he's, he was in that movie train wreck. He was funny. I haven't watched space jam yet, but I'm going to take the kids here before I get too busy. Uh, and he, he, what he built an entire school. And if you get good enough grades in that school, they pay for your post-secondary education. So I think he's done a lot of good. He's married his high school sweetheart. They've got three kids. Like you just don't hear a lot of guys with those expectations live up to them. So I think on top of how good he is at basketball, you know, on, with everything else in the, in the picture, I think that all has to be included in that conversation, to be honest with you. Hey, before you get going here, you mentioned Space Jam. Okay, yeah. so they did a they did a remake on Ben Hur. No, sorry, West Side Story is <laughs> not going to work. Space Jam Two. I, I, good luck to you when you go to it. Anyway, that's just what I'm pointing out. Uh, look, I, I will love it no matter what because it's LeBron James yes. in the movie. But okay. the, first, the first one, the first one was good. Bill, you put Bill Murray in any movie, I'm probably going to like it. Uh, and I don't know who makes cameos in this one, but yeah, it should be interesting. Sorry, Robin. Sorry, well, about dust, that. Dusty. Uh, all the stuff you just said. I would suggest is no fluke uh, the off the court stuff based on all the things like I said that I I think he was I don't know how old is he in 0405 21 22 barely in the league uh, I think he would have been um, like 18 yeah that yeah. that impression that he left with everybody obviously wasn't just making nice uh, he seems to uh, have it uh, figured out off the court as well all these years. Yeah, he's 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 in, he's in, I mean, will there be a scandal that comes along five years from now that changes all of our opinions on him? Who knows? But yeah. as of this point, I think it's been pretty. I know the decision people don't like ring chasing and things like that. But let's be honest, LeBron James, other people play with him to get a ring. Like that's just how it works. You have to take the kids out, so we'll let you roll. Uh, continued success with everything. Uh, have fun with the CFL season. Carry on uh, doing what you're doing in the mornings. It's sounding great. And uh, thanks for your time today. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I was wondering when I was going to get that uh, that email or DM, and I was happy it came in. I think you guys got a pretty good thing going here. And that's from a that's from a podcast guy myself, so I think it's good. Well, we'll do it again, okay? We'll do it again through the CFL season when we got time. All right, thanks a lot, guys. The Outsiders is powered by the Macintosh Group at Remax River City. Wow, it's uh, it's been a crazy year for everybody over there at the Macintosh Group. Very, very busy, but as expected, starting to slow down because we're into the month of August. But it's still a great time to talk to them about what you're thinking of doing with your current home, or maybe you're looking for a new place. But make sure you give the team at the Macintosh Group at Remax River City a call. It's really easy to track them down. The phone number is 780 780- Four six four zero zero seven five, or also check them out online at macintoshgroup.ca. They'll start the process with a complimentary evaluation of your current home. No obligation and no deadline on this offer, but one thing you don't want to do is let the market pass you by. As I said, having a conversation with Brent just last week, it's been a great year so far, a surprising year in a lot of ways. 
but uh, they would be happy to talk to you so both buyers and sellers can give them a shout. That's the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City. Directly, give them a call, 780-464-0075, or find them at mcintoshgroup.ca. So here we are. We're winding down the Outsiders podcast number 70. The Outsiders, of course, powered by the Macintosh Group at Remax River City. Robin, we got to talk about a big event going on in our town this week. It's kind of happening quietly because they haven't had to sell tickets for it, but it's called the Toast of the Town. They did this two years ago. We missed a year because of the pandemic. Everybody missed a year because of the pandemic. But this time around, celebrating and saluting soon-to-be Hockey Hall of Famer. This is a tough one. He's kind of already in the Hockey Hall of Fame, but he hasn't gone through the process. But Kevin Lowe is being honored on Thursday night. And the proceeds from the event going to the Cure Cancer Foundation, and in particular going to help out the folks at the Cross Cancer Institute in Edmonton who do unbelievable work. And the focus is going to be on multiple myeloma. But let's talk about the event. Lots of big names coming in. I guess the biggest of the big is Brian Burke. (laughs) <laughs> I tell you what, Bryn, I had a, I had a good laugh. I, I wrote an item at Oilers Nation the other day because I remembered back to 2007. It is so fitting to have Brian Burke here on a night when Kevin Lowe uh, is the honored guest for the function. Everybody remembers the beef that Burke and Lowe had back in uh, 07, 08, when the Oilers put an offer sheet on Dustin Penner. Yeah. And and uh, let's preface it with this. Kevin Lowe and Brian Burke were good friends at that point. They competed, but they were good friends. Well, Berkey was so pissed off that he spent about a year running down Kevin every chance he could. You could ask him, hey, beautiful morning, Berkey, and he'd switch the topic to, what a jerk Kevin Lowe was. Yes. And there was some real resentment there. And, hey, they're both passionate guys. So, you know, after a while, Kevin finally had had enough of the of the trash talk from Berkey. And he said, well, maybe, you know, during an interview, ah, I think we, you know, let's have a fight. Let's, let's, set, let's settle this. To which Berkey responded, well, I'm good. You know, it's the old one-upsmanship. Well, I'll be in Maine and we can rent a barn and we can do it then. I'll, you know, you name the time and place. And and it was it was funny. Now that was a a, a real harsh break in what had been a good relationship. Yes. You jump ahead, they got past it, and a lot of that was because of Brian's son, Brendan, before he passed, had said, Dad you don't really want it to be this way with Kevin. You guys need to mend fences. Long story short, they did mend those fences at the urging of Brendan. Now you jump ahead all these years, and on a night when Kevin is being honored, it's going to be Kevin and Berkey and Glenn Sather, who was back in the middle of this back then, wondering if Bettman was going to start suspending people. So Glenn is going to be there, Brian Burke, 
uh, Kevin Lowe. That's that part of the evening is going to be a lot of fun because you know what? These guys care for each other, and with the cause involved, they're very both passionate about a cause like this as well. Yeah, I think, too, the alumni is heavily involved. There will be many speakers. Uh, I'm just trying to think of some of the hot stuff. Ron McLean will be the main host. Kevin Carey is from Global Edmonton, and Bob Stoffer from Oilers Now and 630. Chad will be the other side. They'll be on the sidelines, so to speak, talking to various alumni members in the crowd. It's going to be a fun event. But uh, I know Craig Simpson is going to be speaking, Craig McTavish, trying to think of some of the other people that will be. Tim Hunter will be talking uh, on behalf of the Calgary Flames alumni. Looking, Tim is a great speaker. We'll have a lot of fun with Tim. It's just going to be a great event. And they're uh, looking to generate uh, uh, funds, obviously. And I know we're going to do very well. It's, uh, it's coming up on Thursday night. So, so there's, there's that. Hey, uh, but uh, anything you want to add to that? Well, you know what? It, it's, uh, you know, it's sold right out. The, the 300 tickets are sold. It's for, you know, if people have questions about it, go to the Toast of the Town website. There's a website. Uh, what you've got a chance to do now, if you want, if you can't be there for the uh, chirps and the cheap shots and the uh, camaraderie, um, there's a donate button on that website. Yeah. And this money goes to... And Bryn, as you know firsthand, uh, the work that needs to be done and is being done. That's all I would add, pal, is uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, but uh, there's a a reason for the event, and let's not forget that. Anything else you want to wrap up on? Have you you watched any of the Olympics at all? I I never really had a chance to ask you directly, but uh, have you seen anything? Oh, yeah. I've I've watched a little bit. You know, I, I mostly try and... Uh, catch the highlights. I mean, for me, uh, you know, and er- I think everybody who's been paying attention, you know, what a story, Penny Alexiak. Oh, yeah. Um, she's, she's 21? Yeah, she, seven, she doesn't have my very much of a future. Yeah, seven, seven, seven Olympic medals at 21. Um, I love the photo. I don't know if you saw it, Bryn, of her... Uh, Hugging, uh, uh, oh no, I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking of Who that's thinking the other of? moment. Let's get it straight. Okay, that's fine. Christine Sinclair. Yes. Yes. Out on the field, uh, hugging one of the girls on the opposing team. Uh, this is after they beat the U.S. one nothing in a real yes. barn burner. What a, you know, here's, Sinclair is on the on the precipice of the greatest moment of her soccer career, playing for the gold medal, and she takes time to uh, comfort somebody who comes up short. Shows me a lot of class, and I tweeted the other day, and I think there's millions across the country that would agree. If there's such thing as a soccer god, there's one more win in the books. Yeah, for Christine Sinclair. Uh, what a wonderful story that is. Her and Alexia, to me, have been top of the headlines and for all the right reasons. The other thing, too, and I don't want to, you know, it's funny. We had this conversation around the house last night about the fact that she has become a Canadian icon in sports, in particular for women, but should be an icon for sports in Canada for everybody because both Christine and Penny 
have been uh, had been fantastic. Now Penny's got a ways to go. Christine is getting to the end of her career. By the way, uh, the the person she was hugging on the American team was one of her teammates with her uh, club side in Portland. Ah. So that was where the connection came in there. But you're right. If there's one more victory for the Canadian women, it's got to come on Thursday night. And that's an 8 o'clock start in Alberta Mountain Time as they take on Sweden for the gold medal. And based on what's happened with the uh, the women's soccer team the last few Olympics, I think it's about time that uh, they did change the color. And as for Penny, wow, pretty fantastic stuff. And then Andre DeGrasse has been fun to watch. In fact, the only thing I've got up for in the middle of the night to watch, even though that was really early, I've always I've always loved the men's 100-meter race. And yeah. uh, I have to say that my better half, Lori, said to me, she said, you're getting up early to watch a race that will be over in 10 seconds. And I said, yeah. Is that not what a guy does? Well, I tell you what, it's funny you'd mentioned DeGrasse. Uh, now, we're, we're doing this on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, 25 years ago today, the Canadian 4x100 team won the gold. And I watched that replay on Twitter today. And you know what, Bryn? It sounds corny. The hair on the back of my neck still stands up when you see Bailey get the baton on the corner and uh, Bruni Surin throws his arms in the air because he can see he's got a stride. Oh, yeah. And Bailey kicks in the afterburners like there's no tomorrow. Uh, that's just, that's a wonderful moment. I the 100, the 4 by 100 those two events for me are just magic. The other thing that's magical that I think sometimes gets forgotten through all of it is how great Don Whitman was at calling those events. Oh, yeah. You know, he did everything very well. And that was one, you're right. I, like, I'm getting, it's the same thing with Ben, the Ben Johnson thing for me was a real turning point for how I view sports, Right because you had this raw emotion and getting excited about him winning the gold medal and then having it taken away within 24 hours. And it just, it, it just seemed to uh, wake me up a little bit about the fact that there's sometimes, sadly, more to sports than just the sports part. So yeah. I, I'm a little more guarded now when I watch events. However, the Olympics are, I told myself I wasn't going to watch much of this. And now here I am, I'm getting suckered in again, and I love it. I think it's great. It's fantastic, so I've really, really enjoyed it. Hey, I think we better wrap this baby up. Uh, let's uh, let's get to some house cleaning stuff, as we always do. You can email us at theoutsiders@shaw.ca. We love to get your feedback. The other thing, too, check us out on Twitter. The handle at Outsiders twenty twenty. And the most important thing of all is tell your friends and uh, retweet as much as you can, and encourage them to subscribe to our RSS feed on any of your favorite ear candy sites like Apple. Google, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Deezer. I could go on and on and on. We're also on YouTube. And, uh, you know, the nice thing about YouTube is you don't have to actually see us. You can still hear us. So <laughs> your support is greatly appreciated. That's about it. Anything else you want to add before we wrap? Well, it's, I'm, you know what? It's just lucky for us that we're only going audio now and not video because the offers that would come in from places like gq and that we just don't have the time uh, to take them up on that so no it's a very good audio point. for now and good luck to the canadian football league once again kicking off this uh this season they survived survived that year oh. so uh good luck to all the teams and like i said we talked about the cfl power rankings out from tsn 
earlier with uh, Dustin Nielsen, and we thank him for being with us. But the power rankings, I think, are going to change dramatically. That's like that's old. That's old stuff. Robin, thanks. We'll talk to you next week. You sure will. All right. Bye, bye, boys. Have fun storming the castle. Oh, <laughs> my